Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawn Mower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Get 20% off in free shipping with code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 88 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly, and we are recording this on opening day. Just another July 23rd opening day. How are you doing, Baggerly? It's my first ever uh, opening day in July, I think. Uh, And there's going to be a baseball game tonight. I'm not sure I'm ready for it, which is crazy to think after, uh, you know, four months of talking about non-baseball. We're actually going to have some baseball to talk about. It is wild. And, you know, we'll at least have one game. Uh, We are recording this about a half an hour after the Nationals announced that Juan Soto tested positive for COVID-19. The Nationals and the Orioles just played a game, and I'm sure Soto was running around and, you know, maybe masked, maybe not. I wasn't watching it, but... This is going to get interesting. This is going to get real interesting real quick. This is like, I don't think that's how Major League Baseball wanted to start opening day. No, and you've got the Blue Jays not knowing where they're going to play. This is building a house of cards in, well, in the middle of Milbrae in a windstorm. Um, (laughs) You know that that things have to work out just right, and there's a lot of larger elements that are just not going to be under anyone's control. And I don't think we can ever make the assumption, you know, from day to day or week to week that there is going to be a continuation of the season. If, if they get all 60 games in, I think I might be a little bit surprised. But trying to handicap this thing is you know, something we've been doing for the longest time. So I, for one, just look forward to taking it as it is. There is a baseball game tonight. Um, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to write about it. And you're going to watch it and you're going to write about it. We'll see what happens the day after that. I just filed a story where it's basically me geeking out a little bit about opening day, you know, acknowledging why we're here and how it's a mess, but also just exhorting people to, you know, hey, just pay attention to every diving play. You know, if every game is almost three times as important as the typical regular season game, enjoy that sliding catch in center field almost three times as more. I mean, it's it's real 
easy to take things for granted, and I think we all did that in our life. Uh, you know, I miss the movie theater. I, I miss going out to eat in a restaurant. I, I miss just so many, so many things in this life that now that we've got something to watch, something you're used to, something that was ripped away from you that you get to enjoy again even for a little bit, and just enjoy it. Don't be the person who is yelling at, at Bags and his, his Twitter replies because the Giants aren't bringing up Joey Bart or, you know, just just take a breath and, and really appreciate, I don't know, Tyler Anderson or Drew Smiley or someone. I don't know. It's fun. It's baseball. I, wow. I turned into Marty Lurie all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm ready for it and I'm excited. Well, you know, it's a mosaic, as Marty would say. <laughs> There's only 60 pieces in that mosaic, so it's a smaller mosaic, a smaller yes. mosaic. But, you know, it's baseball. It's baseball. It's and baseball. we're going to... We're going to find out about some of these Giants players. Some of them can really hit. Well, hey, you know what? I have a list in my hand of players on the uh, opening day roster. That's a Joe McCarthy reference. And I don't know. There's a lot of players I want to watch. I want to watch these guys. And I know it's not the best team or a good team or a passable team. But you know what? I want to watch. I want to watch Darren Ruff. I want to watch Joe McCarthy. I want to see Jalen Davis. I want to, you know, I I just want to cycle through these guys and their at-bats and their innings and and see who's going to be around for the next good Giants team, who's going to be around for the next Giants month. I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm a dork. There's no real, I think, Connor Joe, Michael Reed moment here. I mean, there's no huge surprises in terms of who's on this list. I think we all kind of know who's going to start. They're going to be extraordinarily platoon heavy. They're going to select from buckets of pitchers and try to be unconventional with pitching usage. I don't think there's really a whole lot of surprises on on this uh, roster. What stands out to you as as something you didn't see coming or or something you find interesting about who they decided to go with? You know, I'm not sure if there's a huge surprise. I was a little surprised that Andrew Triggs didn't make it because he has, I believe, the option to opt out. That was a little bit of a surprise. Trevor Cahill, uh, for a similar reason, was a, a bit of a surprise. Joe McCarthy over Stephen Duggar. Other than that, it, this looks about like the roster I might have predicted. Uh, it's very pitcher heavy. I mean, just I, I think I count nine pitchers who made a start in the major leagues last year, uh, which is it gives them options. And I think that's the plan is just to do not dissimilar to what they did to the A's in those exhibition games. Just give a whole lot of different looks. Yeah, I'm going to have to check on Triggs to see if he did opt out. Cahill had a nail bed issue, so he is still with them, and he will try to get healthy in Sacramento. They didn't have to DFA as many people as I thought they would. You've got six guys whose contracts were purchased. You've got Caleb Barragar, who's probably the biggest surprise because he wasn't in spring training 1.0. He wasn't in the original player pool, but he came in and just threw great. You know, elevated his fastball, had good fastball spin rate, really good breaking ball, pitched a shutout innings for Sacramento in the AAA championship game last year. You know, a guy that everyone could have had in the Rule 5 draft and passed him over. And he's a big leaguer on opening day. I think that's a great story and kind of emblematic of where we are. Rico Garcia threw great in both camps, and he's going to make it. Both their catchers had to be added to the 40-man. Rob Brantley and Tyler Heineman. Chadwick Trump, by the way, has a little hamstring issue, which is why he's going to start in Sacramento. And then uh, Darren Ruff and, and Pablo Sandoval. We forget Pablo was, was an NRI as well. So they had to make a lot of space on the 40-man, but they only had to DFA two players, Jose Siri and uh, Kian Wong, who, who was not included in the second pool. So Maranta on the 45-day IL doesn't count. Aramis Garcia on the 45-day 
previously 60-day IL doesn't count. Buster, obviously on the restricted list. And then um, Harleen, the Marlene, former Marlene, is also on the, they can't say he's on the COVID list, but he doesn't count against their 40 men. So we know by process of elimination that that's, that's where he resides currently. So they really were able to get through, you know, adding six guys with only subtracting two from the organization. So that's not bad. Yeah, that I think I wrote a, a scare piece a couple weeks ago saying, ah, it's going to be a mess trying to add all these guys to the 40-man roster. And I think that it didn't give Farhan a, enough credit because there's there's going to be maneuvering and, you know, some things they could predict, some things they, they couldn't, but worked out in their favor when it came to not having to DFA people. Usually when there is a move announced, the Giants have claimed random player off waivers or, you know, acquired for cash or something, I, I will go to... To their baseball reference page, look at the minor leagues and go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, high strikeout rate or uh, uh, high on base percentage. There's something there, p- positional flexibility. With Jose Siri, I didn't see it right away, and I just assumed, well, they've got they, they figured out some sort of thing that they can fix or work with. Uh, but he he always seemed like on that 40 man roster, someone who stood out just a little bit. Like they they had just enough outfield depth maybe to DFA him and I thought that was unfair but at the same time I don't know that's how I always saw it you know you mentioned McCarthy over Duggar and I think probably the fact that Brandon Belt isn't on the team is what led to that decision you just need someone who's a lefty with a little more power potential who can play first base that sort of tells you they feel okay about their coverage in center you know they really don't have a true center fielder on this roster. I mean, Mike Estremsky is going to be asked to be out there. Jalen Davis is going to be out there. I have always seen uh, that it just makes a huge impact when the Giants have a plus defender in center field. And I've seen how bad it is and how damaging it is when they don't. So I I would look at that as a pretty big trouble spot. But, you know, maybe that'll change over time. If if Belt gets healthy, then maybe McCarthy would get optioned at that point. And maybe, maybe Duggar would come back at some point too. So do you think if the Giants could flip a switch on one player, would it be Mauricio Dubon being a plus defensive center fielder right away or Mike Yastrzemski kind of surprising them and becoming a little bit more than an average defender in center? That's a great question. And I think it's really hard from the limited glimpses we got in these workouts uh, for, you know, the, the two hours or so we were allowed to be in the ballpark to really get much of a handle on that. I mean, we're hearing what the staff is saying, and they've all said great things about how Dubon has um, improved at the center field position. But I think the proof is just going to be in watching the games and seeing the routes they take and seeing the catch probabilities and whether they make the catches or not. We know that there's going to be a lot of positioning. We've already seen the Giants use, uh, you know, a four-person outfield in Oakland. So I think it's going to be interesting, but Nobody has proven out there yet, so I think it's we're all going to be sort of watching as we go. One thing that I was looking for throughout that A series, you had the platoons, and you just could go all righty against Sean Manaya. And you could still sort of do that. But the Giants, you know, they're going pitcher heavy with this 30-man roster for now. And so they, they can still do the platoon thing. But they're not going to be able to line up a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine with the DH uh, get, to have every platoon matchup that they wanted. Uh, they're going to have at least one left-hander against a left-hander. They're going to have, I believe, at least two right-handers against right-handers. And that's if you really get get wacky and, and make sure that you have Pablo in you know, at this position against a righty or a lefty. You're going to have Wilmer Flores doing this against a lefty or righty. Like If you play with it just enough, you still have some platoon disadvantages. And that's a little bit of a surprise for me. That, that's one of the roster surprises. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing just how the catching works. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Darren Ruff in the big leagues after three years in Korea. I mean, there's um, there's just a lot of interesting, fun little stories to follow here. And you said it uh, exactly right a couple minutes ago. It's just going to be, you're just going to have to just enjoy the players that you get to watch and, and maybe not think so hardcore about the way you normally would living and dying with every game it's 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 there to be a a pastime right and i think just enjoying these players even if they're not the mike trouts of the world there's going to be some value in that an article that i have in my brain queue is the different looks that the giants can give out of their bullpen it's not just i'm not intimately familiar with the rays bullpen but it seems to me it's just a a gaggle of 95 plus guys who throw wipeout sliders from both sides basically and i don't think that that's the giants they have danny jimenez who has this great curveball that he seems to command a lot better than than you you would otherwise think uh you have caleb baragar you have wandy peralta who you know, he had a six ERA with the Reds last year. He was a part of that Reds collapse when the Giants came back from the uh, 11 run deficit. And when the Giants claimed him, he had a six ERA. And he's looked good. And he's he's got this real funky, I don't know what it is, if it's a cutter or a slider that he's throwing at 88 and it just bores in on the, on the hands of right-handed hitters. Uh, he's funky. And you have Tyler Rogers, of course, just, just a guaranteed funk. You have the different lefties. And you could really, really mix and match guys without relying too heavily on 95+. plus. I think that's going to be the plan is to really show teams different looks over and over and over again. I want to see that album cover. Tyler Rogers, guaranteed funk. Guaranteed funk, baby. <laughs> you uh, uh, also can throw in there Sam Coonrod, who was throwing 99, you know. So, yeah, hey, exactly. that still works. That still exactly. works. It's good to have that. Yeah, I think Rico Garcia throws pretty darn hard, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because, I mean, you saw the, the Astros. I don't know if you look at their roster, but there's like five or six guys that are in their bullpen that have never pitched above double A. It's like, welcome to the big <laughs> leagues. No one's ever seen you before, so go use the element of surprise. And I think that that's going to be a big part of, of team strategy because there's just not going to be as detailed pro scouting reports, not as much video that's, that's current and accurate. You're not going to have scouts sitting in the stands at minor league games knowing who the fresh arms are, are at AAA or what people are doing, what what progress they're making. Those satellite camps are going to be kind of walled off. So this is going to be a tough season for hitters. Uh, you're not going to face the same pitcher twice in a lot of games. And a lot of these guys, you're you're not going to have a lot to go off of, at least not as much a, a data as, as they're accustomed to getting. Uh, in this day and age. So I think that's going to be fascinating, and the Giants are certainly going to try to take advantage of some of the chaos there. 16 pitchers, and there are no one-out guys. You can't just send them out there for for one out and pull them. So you have to assume they're going to use at least five or six pitchers a game, and that's that's the plan. You know, 17 if you count Pablo Sandoval. Of course, I'm. Jeez, where, where have I been? <laughs> and don't forget, Gabe Kapler loved to have position players pitching in Philadelphia. We're going to see a lot of that too. Trust me, because belt, they're going to want as many belt, people. Belt. Oh yeah, we've got we've got we've got to see that. He's he's got to be healthy. Maybe that can be the carrot at the end of the stick, Brandon. Rest up that Achilles. Get healthy because there might be a pitching performance in this for you. Yeah, that could work. Oh, no, I I am I am all in on the I, on the wackiness. Uh, I know that it's not a typical season, and some people are going to be uh, a little upset about 
if a guy hits 400, if a team w- makes the postseason and you know in the in your heart of hearts that they're not actually that good, they just had a, a fast start or something like that, I'm actually embracing that. I, I'm for that. And if you told me 16-man pitching staff last year, I would have wanted to set my computer on fire. Like, that just would have sounded so gross to me and so kind of like being a Joe Madden uh, quirky manager just for the sake of being a Joe Madden quirky manager or general manager. And now you present a 16-pitcher uh, staff to me, and I'm fascinated. It's like, all right, how, how is this going to work? How are you going to get these guys? How are you going to use these guys? This is going to be strictly lefty-righty. Is there going to be a plan before the game? Is it going to be Gabe Kapler riffing as he sees fit? I don't know. Fascinated. I think they're going to, in a lot of cases, not going to name their starter for the next day until they get through the game and then take inventory of who they used and who's fresh and who's available and what roster tweaks, if any, they have to make. I think that's going to be daily. I mean, we're going to see TBA in probables, I think, all year long. And like you pointed out, just the way that they used, uh, you know, even Kevin Gossman and Drew Smiley and all these guys, you know, they, they were pitching one inning in the last exhibition game. You can see exactly what they're going to do. And I have to say, uh, this season and these games would be unbearable to watch with these rosters and these pitching staffs and the way that teams are going to deploy them without the three batter rule. Because we would see so many pitching changes. We would see teams looking to get every platoon advantage. And guys getting burned for pinch hitters for pinch hitters. And, I mean, it would be really strategic and interesting. But the pace would be terrible. So, I think the three batter rule is kind of what allows these 30-man rosters and people with 16, 17, 18 pitchers, however many they're using. That's going to allow these things to coexist, I think. Because, yeah, you, you have to protect pitchers' health. So you have to protect player health. You know, at the same time, you, you got to make the games watchable. Let's pause to talk about The Athletic. You can get 40% off an Athletic subscription. Sports are back. Get all access to The Athletic's exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. It is sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. You're going to have, I don't know, are you going to see Benji Molina hit a triple this year? Are you going to see Mike Yastrzemski hit three home runs? You are going to see a little bit of baseball, and you're going to want to read The Athletic. Don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash brisby, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash bagsandbrisby for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, it's your favorite team, laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game, to put on display, or to be the life of the party. It's a unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. And now, back to the podcast. 
If this were the roster last season and there were no uh, limits as to how few batters a reliever could face, you would be able to see the smoke from Bruce Bochy's Fitbit from space. Just, he would have been ouch and back and forth and lefty-righty, lefty-righty, because bless Bruce Bochy for everything that was good about him, but... As a writer, you know the pain of a 7-1 to Giants loss with two outs in the ninth and Bochi trudging out to pull his righty to get a lefty in there. That was not my favorite part of Bruce Bochi. Oh, some of those September games? <laughs> I, I, would, I would tell him. I'd say, do you realize that you're destroying baseball? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't say it in those words. When we would ask questions about, you know, there was one game, I think it was at Fenway maybe last year. He set a record for pitchers used, or uh, I forget exactly what the record was. And he took pride in it. He, he enjoyed it. Yeah, there you go, Bruce. No, no more one batter matchups. All right, well, let's talk about some of the players on the roster uh, you are looking forward to watching. And again, do not take this for unbridled optimism because I'm not saying all of these guys are going to be the next Mike Yastrzemski or what have you. But there are some some players that I am just really curious about uh, for for now and for the future. And one of them is Austin Slater. And I don't think I would have said this before his five RBI night in that first exhibition game. But I, you know, I I, I enjoy a good cup of recency bias as much as the next guy. It made me remember that when September started last year, September. Austin Slater had a 396 on base percentage and a 925 OPS in like a fairly significant amount of at bats, two months worth of at bats. He was raking. He looked like, you know, he had raked in Sacramento before he came up. He was looking like a guy who could fill a lot of roles, who could be the the right-handed part of a platoon, who could play a few different positions perhaps in a pinch. I was all in, and then he had one of the worst slumps any player has ever had over a full month. He hit 128 with a 128 slugging percentage, which... Uh, <clears throat> Not great. And so everyone sort of forgot about him. But Austin Slater, he, if he's right, he might be something. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, and uh, and he knows this is a big opportunity for him. He also knows that this is not the time for any player trying to establish themselves to grouse about being an everyday player. He, everyone is going into this with their eyes totally open, knowing that they're going to platoon pretty much everywhere. So I think uh, you just have to zero in and narrow in on what your role is going to be and, and, and to be successful at it. And like he said on a Zoom call with us the other day, he said, you know, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I've got a pretty good track record against lefties. I, I feel confident against them. So he is definitely someone who could be a difference maker, particularly with a lot of the left-handed pitching that the Giants are going to see just from the Dodgers alone. Uh, you know, he could really make an impact. Hmm, that's right. They still have to play the Dodgers. That's they, they do. They, yeah, make a uh, note of that. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but seven of the ten are on the road, and and all seven of those come within the first seventeen games of the season. So they kind of got to be ready to go from the get go. I don't want to be that guy, but I drafted my fantasy team last night, and I ended up with one Johnny Cueto, and. Uh, I put him on the bench for the first week. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but I, I just, you know, let's just see how the, the opening day goes. You know, he's probably only going to pitch three innings or whatever. Who knows what the Giants have planned for him. But uh, the Dodgers are, like, maybe the best baseball team I've ever seen. And that, that that's not hyperbole. They, they might be the best baseball team I've ever seen. 
Yeah. So I drafted Buster Posey. That's uh, that, that was back in, in, in March. We had a supplemental draft yesterday. We could take two players. And uh, I was very pleasantly surprised that uh, with my 10th pick, Joey Bart was still there. No one took him. And I think he's going to be up in a week. So I grabbed him. So I got uh, he's my giant, Joey Bart. I was doing galaxy brain stuff. It was a very quick online draft. Usually I've been in the same league for, gosh, 20, 25 years or so. And usually, you know, we have a lot of fun. We go to someone's house and and we really just, you know, we riff back and forth. We're all baseball nerds who probably don't get a, a lot of chances to talk baseball nerdery in person in, in real life. But last night, was there was none of that. It was just a real quick CBS Sportsline draft, just boom, 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 boom. And my galaxy brain just waited until the end and, and took uh, Joey Bart like, aha, the very end of the draft i got them suckers and i'd forgotten that i had will smith the dodgers catcher already so uh (laughs) just because uh i don't know this is this is a mess of a season but all right so enough uh fantasy talk for like ever uh give me a player that you're (laughs) give me a player that you're looking forward to oh no i'm going to tell you more about my fantasy team and i'm going to drone on for how how much longer do we have in this podcast maybe seven minutes yeah yeah i I might be able to get a, a little I'll get through the pictures. At least. <laughs> no, who am I looking forward to seeing? You know, I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Yastrzemski. He's he's fun to watch. He really was fun to watch last year, and uh, it'll be cool to see if he can keep this going. He's somebody who is still trying to establish himself, but I feel like he's not putting the same amount of pressure on himself that maybe he did last year. Maybe he'll be an even better player because he had a great year last season. One thing that I think a lot of folks forget about is is that his underlying statistics, you know, when you dig under the hood of StatCast and stuff like that, hard hit percentage and barrels and things like that, he did really well. And I was talking to some to some fantasy-oriented people who generally steer very, very clear of the Giants' lineup and, and rotation and, and bullpen. You know, they just they don't have a lot of positive things to say from a stat accumulation part when it comes to the Giants. But they were talking about Yastrzemski and the underlying metrics, and he might be for real. He's going to be more of a a player than you think if everything turns out. And yeah, and if he can play center field, a passable center field, maybe even a better than passable center field, forget it. He's going to be a good player for a couple years. They have a lot of choices in that outfield. I mean, they, I'm looking at the roster, and it's 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 pretty heavy. I mean, they're going to platoon almost everywhere, and it's going to be interesting to see how much Yastrzemski plays against lefties. You went through and you figured out that the Giants can pretty much platoon at every position except there was one or two, right? Yeah, it looks like you can get, you know, if you're doing a, a, a right-handed uh, or against a right-handed pitcher, you can get pretty close, but you're probably going to have Mauricio Dubon against a right-handed pitcher. You're probably going to have, you know, if if your DH is a left-hander against a right-handed pitcher, then you're going to have an outfielder who's going to be a, a, a right-hander against a left-handed pitcher, or if I screw that up, you know what I mean. But they're going to get close, but they're not going to be able to completely just stack the deck of, of, I think they got all, no, they had eight of nine against the A's in that first game with Crawford being the lone holdout. So 14 position players, 16 pitchers. They do have Mauricio Dubon listed as an infielder on this roster, but we know he's going to play quite a bit in center. So you've got Brandon Crawford, who uh, Gabe Kapler's already said will start, even though it's a lefty-lefty matchup. Uh, against uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, primarily for his defense. Um, Mauricio Dubon, Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, 
listed as an infielder, but we know he could also play outfield, probably mostly DH. Pablo Sandoval and Donovan Solano. I think we're going to see Dubon at third base maybe, or Flores at third base quite a bit until uh, Longoria comes back. And then in the outfield, Jalen Davis, Alex Dickerson, Joe McCarthy, although Joe McCarthy I think primarily will be a first baseman, Hunter Pence, who probably will only be a DH, Austin Slater, and Mike Yastrzemski. So there you go. And then for catching, Rob Brantley and Tyler Heineman. Uh, and maybe after six games or five, five or six, uh, uh, six days, we'll, we'll see Joey Bart. Brandon Crawford versus Clayton Kershaw. <clears throat> six for 48 with one walk and 14 strikeouts. That's a 125 batting average. That is a 143 on base percentage. That is a 125 slugging percentage. If baseball is truly back, I want to see a three for three game from him. <laughs> and he's got way better numbers than the other Brandon against Kershaw, that's for sure. You know, when I was um, doing research for that Nemesis series, I called Bruce Bochy and I said, you know, can you think of someone who just owned Tony Gwynn or, or uh, can you think of, of other examples that would be great for this series? And he said, how about Clayton Kershaw against any of my hitters? <laughs> <laughs> and when you pull up a list of Clayton Kershaw, the batters he's faced the most in his career— of course, it's all Giants for the most part. It's Posey, Pence, Sandoval, Belt. Even like the, the Giants who weren't long-term Giants, you still see like Nick Hundley and, and uh, uh, you know, there's Crawford. There is, uh, it's just, it, and would you be surprised to know that none of them have hit Clayton Kershaw very well? Now, that's just not fair to Joaquin Arias Grant. That's just not fair at all. <laughs> Uh, Nolan Arenado crushes him. I did not know that. All right. You know what? I'm going to go on record. The Giants should acquire Nolan Arenado. That would be a good idea, especially now that Mookie Betts will not be an acquisition that they can possibly think about. There is that news as well. Well, you know, Albert Pujols has a 1,005 OPS, and I think he's available. Oh, they should get him. Yeah. (laughs) They have a DH now. Uh, they do. They do. Uh, Cody Ross, 346 against him lifetime. He's not doing anything. No. All right. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to read too much into all of these games, but like you've said in the past and you pointed out in the past, the Giants have played the Dodgers pretty tough over the last few years. What were the stats on that? Yeah, so the last seven years, the Dodgers have won the division every year, and the Giants, if I did my math right, are 66 and 67 against them over that span. So they play them pretty tough, and they're going to have to play them tough this year because it's just, I think you almost have to go in thinking you've got to win the division if you're in the West because, you know, as Jason Stark pointed out in his really great piece about the wild numbers in baseball this year, you know, you're going to have teams going for the wild card, competing against each other, playing entirely different schedules, like entirely different. Like they won't even play the same teams at all. And some of those teams, their schedules are pretty darn soft, especially in the central. So it's going to be hard for the Giants, even in an expanded format, I think, to, to think about a wild card. They got a sort of gun for the division. And, and who knows? I mean, even a couple of years ago, the Dodgers were, were a 500 team after 60 games, and then they just sort of strapped a booster rocket to their backs and took off. But... You know, if you dish them some early setbacks, I think I'm ready to embrace the weirdness of, of the possibilities this season. There are going to be some big surprises. And yeah, the, the math doesn't really work in the Giants' favor, but 
you never know what can happen if a team gets out of the gate hot. Yeah, and everyone focuses on that 60-game season, and rightfully so. I mean, that's a, that's a huge component, of, and it, it can only help the Giants. But also, there's the weirdness of these teams might not be as ready as they otherwise would have been in, say, April. You know, there's a whole weirdness to the whole summer camp and the ramping up to the, the surprise. There's going to be a 60-game season after all. Uh, that, you know, if, if you have a slow month because of that, if you have some key contributors who are just a little off, a little weird because they're not quite ready, that's a big deal because every game's almost three times as important. Yeah, so are you ready? You ready for opening day? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I am. I think I am. All right, this has been uh, episode 88 of the Bags and Brisby podcast, and we are very ready for at least at least one game. Give us 60, but yeah, at least one game. So thanks for listening. We will be back on Monday. Uh, thanks to Brian Smith for producing us, and thanks to you for listening. 